this weekend uh, we had a chance to play 40k together. It's been a while. I know, right? It uh, never happens anymore. <laughs> and uh, you know, after all my competitive playing and like try hardness, like I'm going to be prepared to win, right? Like I'm going to bring mm -hmm. a full competitive army and I'm going to raffle stomp you. No. Yeah. No, that's not what happened at all. It's so not, not quite how that worked <laughs> out. All right. So today we've got a couple cool topics. Um, we're going to be chatting about this game that Mike and I had where we put the new spanking new Yanari rules um, up against the Thousand Suns and the very close to like the meta rubric marine list right now. I actually ran Matthew Ali's list from uh, I think it was War Games Con last year. Mm -hmm. uh, very similar to the list he's running now, just it has Scorpius in it. And, you know, we had yeah. we had some fun there, um, and we we used a we played a little bit of the Vigilus campaign, and that was it was actually a fun game. Yeah, it was also very informative as to uh, how the Inari worked, but also I guess what having that many Rubric Marines means both playing it and uh, playing against it. Yeah, we learned some things in that game. Yep. So uh, aside from that, we've got. You know, on this day, brand new APOC rules just dropped today. Uh, in the announcement of like uh, when it's coming out, uh, just some framework of how the how the game has changed for APOC. So we'll get into that and talk a little bit about you know how that sounds, maybe how you might play some Thousand Suns in that, and how they yeah. might fit in, knowing what we know right now. Uh, and then uh, we'll probably talk a little bit about another thing, uh, which maybe we can get into that right now, uh, which is. Uh, you know, on the same weekend, uh, I also got a test game in this weekend with uh, some of the new Chaos Space Marine stuff. Um, I've been using uh, Lord, uh, Lord Discordance in my competitive army. And this weekend, I decided to kind of branch out a little bit and take pretty much a quintessential uh, meta Chaos Space Marine list. So what it had was a, uh, it was a split between Black Legion and Red Corsairs. I brought three of the Disco Lords as Red Corsairs, and they all had autocannons. Uh, in my battalion, it was Black Legion. And I brought a Dark Apostle and a uh, Sorcerer in uh, Jump Pack. And then in there, obviously, I had the three Chaos Space Marine squads. I decided to throw a missile launcher into each squad just because, you know, you might as well. And then I also brought uh, something that we haven't seen in a while, a Fire Raptor. Uh, so I'll get to that in just a second. And then uh, that rounded out my battalion. And then my third uh, detachment was a Spearhead. And in the Spearhead, I had the infamous Chain Lord. Uh, if you're not familiar with that, he is a Chaos Lord in a jump pack with uh, a lot of times people take two Chain Swords. I took just the Chain Sword and the Bolt Pistol. Uh, and then uh, he, you give him the uh, Flames of Spite Warlord trait, along with, uh, I think it's like Gorvax's teeth or Gorvax's teeth, the, uh, the Relic Chainsword for Black Legion. And essentially what you get to do is a whole lot of mortal wounds to stuff. Uh, yep. <clears throat> so I brought him along with three squads of the Havocs, and I was able to buy about 20 boxes of Havocs so that I could get a full squad of chain cannons uh, and two full squads of Reaper auto cannons in there, or not Reaper auto cannons, they're the just regular auto cannons. Sorry, that's a Freudian slip there. 
so anyways, I make them the devastation battery and it gives me a chance to really knock some stuff out. So it's just kind of a combination of all this really good stuff. Yeah. And you were up against some of the new, uh, custodies stuff with, as well as several other Imperial detachments, as I recall. That's right. So I was playing a, uh, a teammate and, um, he has, um, uh, well, I'll be, to be fair for him, I, I'm not sure if he wants to disclose what he's running right now, but um, we can we can say there was pretty much some of the hotness that you see from, yeah. you know, the Caladius was obviously there and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But um, in any in any sense, um, the game went pretty dang good, actually. Um, I lost the game, uh, and it was their standard ITC missions. We drew Dawn of War. I want to get to the Fire Raptor. And I want to talk about this um, because I, I kind of was um, I, I was kind of picking through some of the new um, Black Legion stratagems, and one of the ones that I noticed um, there is a stratagem for one command point that Black Legion gets. Uh, it's called Tip of the Spear. It's on page one ninety of Vigilus Ablaze, and what you get is if you're going to start shooting, basically, um, you pick your Fire Raptor more or less, and you say hey, this thing can shoot and reroll all its failed hits. Um, and what's great about that is with the Fire Raptor, it has the maneuverability and th- the range to pretty much get as close as you can to each thing or anything that you want to shoot. And that's kind of the restriction here in that um, as long as you're shooting the closest enemy unit, you get to reroll all your failed, failed hits. And that's really, really good with a, um, I mean, if you think about it, it's like having a fire raptor with uh, a Baden sitting right next to him. Uh, So I essentially was able to fly that thing up and I put it pretty much right next to a Caladius and emptied out its entire clip into it. Now I rolled really bad in this game. um, And that's a little bit of foreshadowing for our game, but um, I rolled really bad in this game, and uh, it, you know, stats-wise, between that and my um, my auto cannon havocs, I should have had a chance to kill the Caladius, and unfortunately, I just whiffed and didn't do it. But um, the I traded a Chain Lord for a Smash Captain, which was probably for for what the Chain Lord did. It was more of a sacrificial thing that I did to stem the tide because he he pretty much because I had such a bad first round in shooting. Um, he was able to really kind of like get aggressive the second turn and that put me on my, and I had to do something to, to kind of stop his like counter attack here coming towards me. So in any case, um, the chain Lord traded with a, uh, smash captain, um, the Lord discordance, you know, I kind of misplayed them. They were, they were sitting way off on the other side of the battlefield hiding. Um, and he just counter deployed me, um, yeah. unfortunately. And that's just kind of how the deployment works right now. So, you know, if I ran them out in the open, it kind of would have just led to their demise. Um, and then, uh, my, my crack missiles just didn't do all that much. And he brought, uh, he brought some nasty stuff in to go against my chaos space Marines. And they just kind of, um, it wasn't until like round two or three that I, that I remembered, oh yeah, Black Legion can advance and shoot. And even though that wasn't all that great, I didn't get that much, like what they were shooting at wasn't all that great. Mm -hmm. Um, It at least gave me something to get in there. And, um, you know, I I could get around to shooting, even if it was on fours, it's better than nothing. Um, So takeaways from it, the, I, you know what, I was not impressed by the chain cannons. Um, Being strength five, even though you're getting 32 shots out of a squad, 
Um, it is actually not all that great. Um, but that being said, I think that's just the matchup that I had. If you're shooting strong stuff like vehicles, taking the two auto cannon squads uh, was definitely worth it. Those guys for their points are phenomenal. You stick them in cover. Uh, you got a 48 inch range. You're hitting on threes. Uh, you can, you can shoot them twice. Um, you know, they, they just can, you're getting eight shots with auto cannons each time. That's a possible 16 damage. Um, even against stuff with really good armor and really good invuln saves, you just don't care. Like, you're gonna make, you're gonna miss some saves, and you're you're gonna roll either some ones or you're gonna roll some twos or something like that, and yeah, you're gonna get some damage through. So I I actually for the points really really like uh, the new Havocs with the auto cannons, um, the chain cannons maybe not quite as good as the hype that they have, um, but without a doubt you want to run a drill with them so you can plop them down, put them where you want, and then send the drill in and do something. Um, yeah. I've seen another guy run them with drop pods and the advantage with the forge world drop pods is you can bring the drop pod down on top of ruins and that lets you put your havocs into ruins, like up at the top at ruins and things like that. Mm -hmm. That's something to consider for the points uh, that you've got. But um, aside from that, I mean, uh, that was really all we walked away with. I will say there was one thing that keeps coming up in a lot of games um, that I thought I would, uh, bring up and Mike you can probably talk about this a little bit there's a lot of folks I noticed that um, terrain rules get to be really tricky and I've heard some other folks mention this and I think they're spot on in that there's there's some additional terrain rules that came out in chapter approved mm -hmm. and there's also a section in the big rule book that talks a little bit about um, how terrain like ruins specifically yeah, how, how it actually, actually works, works. Yeah. Yeah. And so one of the things I was able to do was I locked um, one of the scout squads. Uh, I surrounded it and locked them in combat. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I think a lot of people misjudge or don't realize is a rule with ruins in, is that units cannot just go vertical in thin air. You yeah, have you to have go to... against the wall, mm -hmm. right? Or so, have a ladder or some way of logically going up and down. That's a great point because you get some of the mechanicus terrain where you have the you have the two level ruins and they have they have points there where it's like, well, I can't just like walk to the closest point and then just kind of teleport up. I have to get have to walk to a leg or a, a leg or a ladder, like you said. Um, and then on top of that, one of the things you can do is you can actually trap units on ledges. Yes. So, so I did this in Dallas uh, earlier this year where um, I had destroyed a squad and my Zangors got into the ruins. And one of the things I was able to do was he, where he had his guy standing, I was able to move my Zangors up and basically lock him on the ledge so his guy could not go anywhere. And I, mm -hmm. and I think it's, um, it's a good point to just you know, remind folks that um, go through the the big rule book go through the chapter approved section on on terrain and take a look at things it, hell this came up just in san antonio mm -hmm. uh, where i was reminded that hey i'm trying to charge through i think it was woods and that's yeah. minus two to your charge it is and i was like well that sucks and my zangors missed their charge and um he was 100 percent correct and that's just me not knowing the terrain rule so mm -hmm. um folks if you get the time Go out there, take a look at the terrain rules, um, you know, just kind of read through them, how they work. Um, 
and just refresh yourself on them because they can they can make a big difference in how you play out your strategy and what you can do in the game. Yeah. So with that, yeah, we should probably get over to the second game. Yeah. <laughs> Where all so, the fun was. Yeah. So effectively, I sat down Friday night and was like, what do I want to bring? So I rolled dice as I'm often want to do. And the dice told me to play Inari. And I was like, okay, how does this work out? <laughs> and so I brought what I felt was a very fluffy list. Effectively, I brought each of the characters, each lead in a separate detachment. And so, like, the Vizark had his 30 Dire Avengers. of Rain had her 30, which is in the Incarn had three squads of the Harlequin jet bikes with Haywire cannons because anti-tank is good. It is good. Uh, with a couple of other, like, knickknacks here, like a... Uh, night spinner and some raiders mm -hmm. for the witches and such but uh ultimately i think all the doom and gloomers out there they're seeing anari suck now really need to sit down and look at this codex because uh, to be fair i was absolutely amazed at how well they did um all things considered it's very potent close combat army the fact that you can there's a strategy there to give three units plus one to hit uh there's a the yeah. fact that if anything dies they all always yeah. strike first and if they would always strike first anyways from like charging or if they're banshees they get plus one to hit so, so now they're hitting on twos we can probably get into this and how that and how that played out um yeah so you've kind of covered what you have like you had your raiders your witches your um your guardians the dire the, avengers uh, yeah. dire avengers my bad sorry i'm not an elder elder mm -hmm. it's okay um, i forgive you no, it's okay. They're disgusting. Um, so, <laughs> so the so the Thousand Sun Army I had um, was two battalions, six rubric squads, uh, three exalted sorcerers, Aramon, and a Scorpius. I think I also had a Demon Prince snuffed in there too. You did, and um, I I took some fun stuff in this. Um, I had one exalted sorcerer with both of the swords. Uh, I took the Seer's Bane on him because you had Psychers and you had a bunch of stuff with Leadership 9. Mm -hmm. So he was like, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, all game. Um, I had pretty much a lot of spells to cast against you. Um, mm -hmm. The Psychic phase was fun. But uh, in, in essence, um, it, what, we, what we ended up doing was I think when we got to the table, we got everything set up and we were kind of trying to figure out, well, what mission do we play? And we looked in the Vigilus Ablaze book and lo and behold, there was actually a pretty fun mission for us. I just kind of randomly stumbled on it and it, oh, okay. So it makes you play hammer and anvil um, and it makes one person be the attacker, one the defender. And then uh, what it does is um, it's <laughs> essentially the scenario um, is that one of the armies has basically been caught off guard with all of their vehicles and monsters on the sideline. And the other one is just hitting them with all their, you know, all their might. Yeah. And um, so we rolled off. Uh, both of our lists, ironically, had a, I think it was a dead even mix of monsters and vehicles. Yes. Um, which I think I left out the fact that I had three of the termite drills. Yeah, in the list as well, uh, which go great with Rubik Marines. Mm -hmm. But uh, with that combination, we kind of matched like his three raiders matched my three drills, and then 
Um, we had uh, my night spinner Scorpius. matched with Scorpius, and then the in uh, and matched the Demon Prince. Yeah. So. so, so the the way this worked is Mike. We we rolled off to see who was going to be the attacker, more or less, um, since we were even. And um, I ended up, I think, being the attacker, and yes. Mike ended up being the defender. Uh, you won the roll off, so I think the way we did it was you got to decide whether mm-hmm. you wanted to be the defender or attacker. Uh, so with that, um, the way we basically went at this was um, if you killed all of the monsters and vehicles of the opponent, you win the game. This yeah. is essentially how it worked. Um, Mike deployed. Uh, we had the board pretty evenly divided with a bunch of ruins. Um, I think mm-hmm. it was a bunch of the stuff from the middle <clears throat> team. Uh, just the yeah, ruins. it was a bunch of the uh, Ministorum ruins. Uh, effectively, there was one in each corner, and then there was one on each effectively middle line uh, going both ways, plus a right. giant freaking rock in the middle. That was great. Yeah. And, and uh, so we, so Mike deployed his army. Um, you put most of your stuff in, into the ruins, and then you put yeah. your bikes up top, and I realized that I got to go first, which meant I got to deploy everything right up front, mm-hmm. and just basically shove everything in your face turn one and not having played yunari i'm i'm the kind of person that likes to just play the art like if i'm going to play something new that i have no idea what it does i don't feel like the best route is always for me to try and listen to everything it does other than just kind of some main high points i kind of get an idea of what you can do and then i just say okay i'm gonna play you i'm gonna play my army the way it plays and i'm just gonna you know in this case, I just shoved everything in your face, turn one, and just kind of said, okay, let's see how things end up. Mm-hmm. It didn't exactly work out great for me. No, no, it did not. The uh, new Inari like that type of behavior and perform very favorably in that type of encounter. So I, I went after, obviously, um, your, your big thing I was worried about. You had those haywire bikes. Yeah. Uh, those guys were kind of annoying. Um, I had to try and get rid of them. <laughs> And I think with my psychic powers, I had a really good chance there. But um, what was it? My my was I periling? I think I was. Yeah. So you periled the first turn. You periled on your demon prince, and one of your aspiring sorcerers, and oh. wound up just losing like three guys out of your rubric squad. And the demon prince yeah. took three wounds. It was just nothing Everyone, you could really do there. Everyone just doesn't know how to do anything right. Um, uh, I'm afraid he doesn't. He needs to yeah. uh, borrow Daddy's book of doing nothing wrong, and <laughs> then he'd uh, be awesome again. <laughs> so, uh, so I got right up in Mike's face, and I hit him with a bunch of smites, and I hit him with a bunch of psychic powers. I also buffed up a bunch of my guys. Mm-hmm. I I thought one of the things might Mike might do is go after my demon prince, so I kind of kept him off to the side, close mm-hmm. to a bunch of my characters. And you can think of the way I did, the way I attacked. Um, I sent basically two drills up the sides, and then put rubric marines out in front. So there was almost like this big U-shape screen, your very typical screen. And then kind of in the middle there of the screen was the Aramon, um, a couple exalted sorcerers, mm-hmm. um, and then the demon prince and the the guy with the seer's bane kind of ran up towards the other side where it was far away. Um, so I tried to take the bikes that were closest to that out to make it hard for him to get back to my back line. But unfortunately, the way 
the way those bikes work, they can advance the charge, they can advance a pretty dang good amount of distance. And mm -hmm. you were able to just hop over my guys, right? Yeah, so you wiped out the squad that was closest to your Demon Prince. So I sent the other two sets um, over to where Aramon was. The one set hopped over your lines and got right next to the back of your drill, and the other set was right in front of your lines. Yeah, it's kind of and, the disadvantage uh, of playing someone who knows how good Aramon is. Yeah. Uh, basically, you leave a hole, you know, you beeline for them. And unfortunately, mm -hmm. you know, to my best, to my best attempt, um, I couldn't set things up in a way where you could, where I could heroically intervene to what you had. Um, yeah. You did a good job of just preventing that and thinking about that. So. Mm -hmm. And so we actually, Aramon got assassinated turn one yeah. by one set of bikes and then pretty much just completely cleared that half of the table of your front line. I think you had your uh, two exalted sorcerers survived um, over there. Yes. Yeah. And I wasn't too, the fact that you took Aramon out and I had three exalted sorcerers and a demon prince still, I wasn't all that worried at that point. Yeah. I think it was the, the bottom, the bottom half of my turn, in that when we got to the assault phase and I realized that, hey, when anything dies, you get to fight first, which meant when I charged, we were alternating. That yeah. really screwed things up for me mm -hmm. um, because the way I played it was, you know, my Seer's Bane went in, my Demon Prince went in, my one exalt, my other two exalted sorcerers just went into positions to try and smite and use their flame pistols or they couldn't because they fell back. Sorry. Yeah. Um, and I essentially, at that turn two, I had you surrounded. I had your mm -hmm. main force surrounded. Your guardians were there. Um, but the there were two problems. One was all your stuff has four up in bolts, which was kind of annoying because my it pretty much put my bolters, my AP2 bolters and my AP2 flamers all to, to shame. Yeah. I took death hex. Unfortunately, the situation I was in, I didn't have, um, I didn't really have the, the, um, the, the command points. Um, I, I kind of went big turn one and it flopped. Mm -hmm. And so I paid the price for that, not having as many command points as I needed to really, like there was a lot of stuff I was just trying to save and use a little bit more strategically. So I didn't kind of have that, that essence of, or that thought to go get death hex and try and throw that on your guardians or something like that. But yeah, the other thing that was really annoying was the fact that your guys fighting first pretty much cancels out anything that I'm doing. And so you almost, it's almost like you have to hold back from killing anything until the fight phase, because if I kill anything, then you're fighting first. And that means we're alternating. So yeah, it, it's really that's a huge thing like literally the fact that i can't kill something at all during my shooting or psychic phase is mm -hmm. huge because my army i mean yeah it's kind of a salty but that's not what i want to be doing yeah it very much seemed to me that uh when i really you should have tried to sort of keep me at arm's reach and yeah. the second i got into close combat it was very much a bad day for your rubrics and even the demon prince didn't do for very very well <laughs> no no i mean they they just kind of uh faltered i mean the demon prince 
gave a val or a noble effort at killing the Incarn. Yeah, he uh, shaved off seven wounds or something. No, yeah, yeah, seven wounds, um, and then the uh, demon uh, Incarn pulled can pull a really sneaky trick. So if the in, uh, because of the alternates, the demon print went, went first, dealt nine wounds to the Incarn. He passed two feel no pains, and then the Incarn turned around and murdered the uh, exalted Seer sorcerer Bane. with Sears Bane. And then because a unit died, he can then teleport to where that position unit was, but more than an inch away from any enemy units. So he hopped out of combat to pre- protect him from any further damage he might have incurred. Right. Because this- I had doubled down. I basically had said, look, I'm going to throw my demon prints. I think another another round of rubric marines were in mm-hmm. there. Like I charged you with just the incarn showed up, and I was like, that needs to die right away. Yeah. Um, and that just didn't happen uh, mm-hmm. because of that trick where you can just teleport wherever you want. Um, yeah. And we we also talked about the same thing on the um, at the end, uh, you know, towards the end and the bottom half of the game where it it became real obvious. Well, if I played this again, I would have definitely played a lot more conservatively. Uh, mm-hmm. let the scorpius do some work screen it off um sit back make you come to me kind yeah. of situations so um and even even the raiders i wasn't too worried about the raiders and the witches mm-hmm. things like that because they they're good but i i just don't think i'm going to take that much of a abuse from those things so, yeah and no, i completely agree in that regard the uh, raiders weren't super dangerous but uh the the cool thing i find is that unari are um, being an assault army, they, I can see where a lot of people would definitely just kind of abandon it and mm-hmm. just go, well, this is, this is not what I've been playing for the last year or two yeah. years. And, you know, where, you know, I don't have my double shooting dark reapers and things like that, but mm-hmm. they're still very, very potent. Uh, the fact that you have those shenanigans where you can teleport, um, you can heal like when any, and this is the kicker, I think it's when any model dies, you get to any uh, Eldar unit dies. Right. Or model. Any Eldar model model dies. Uh, The, any of the three named characters have a 50, 50 shot of healing a wound. So the Incarn was down to two wounds at the end of David's second assault phase. And by the time we got to the end of round three, it was back up to like seven or eight wounds. Um, it was yeah. completely ridiculous. Yeah. So that, that definitely works a lot better than I think people are giving it credit for right yeah. now. Um, and so effectively, they've shifted very much from a very sort of shooting-centric army to a assault-centric army. And I think that it there's just some transition there into the mindset for how you play the army as a result. Um, but as thousand sons really sitting back, taking advantage of, for instance, the bolter discipline, and you'll generally have more psychic powers than the NRA player, even though the NRA players, few psychers they have will be very good. Um, and so you can very much take advantage of that. Yeah. The, uh, even the psychic phases, despite, despite the fact that, what was it? By turn two, I had killed more rubric marines from perils than mm-hmm. you had killed. Than I had killed <laughs> with everything else. It's just what is going on here? My dice. Uh, that's what was going on. Yeah. Uh, so pro tip, do not use your beautiful thousand suns dice. The love of <laughs> yeah. Magnus, just put them on the shelf. They're be- let them be beautiful. And 
use something else. Because they have historically always rolled poor. Oh, they've rolled so bad. They've rolled yep. so, so bad. Just, I've never seen more double ones in my life. Now, I guess that would be very good for demons. Like, if yeah, you want that, use them for, like, morale. Yeah, use them for your morale dice. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that was, uh, yeah, that just didn't go the way I thought it was going to go. So. Yeah. Oh, well. But uh, overall, but, uh, it was a good learning experience for both of us. Uh, happy with how that turned out. Yeah, for sure. It was fun. Um, we'll, we'll have to do that again. Uh, we'll have to start doing more of these uh, where we can do battle reports. And one of us, one of us will have to play Thousand Suns and someone, you know, the opposite has to play, you know, maybe a different army or maybe we do. Yeah, that sounds fantastic to me. Yeah. Well, All right. So I think we've hashed that. Um, the other big thing we've got is today Games Workshop decided to release its first information about the new APOC format coming out. Yes. Um, Bring the apocalypse. <laughs> so I had, someone had actually mentioned in my ear that they had had the ability to play test a game of apocalypse. And this was um, within the last week or so. And one of the things that I heard was that they were able to play a whole game in about an hour. That and I don't I don't know if that was exaggeration or if that was like, you know, okay, it really was an hour, but from the looks of the new format, I, I gotta I gotta say it sounds pretty dang legit like yeah it sounds very reasonable based off of the rules that we're seeing here so uh do you want to take us through kind of what the uh what so what's the phase that they have for or the the structure of the uh, all right so based off of what has been officially released effectively uh it looks like for apocalypse every army will have its the effect special rules just for apocalypse effectively no longer will just be large games of 40k it has its own bespoke rule set and just happens to share the models think sort of like epic from the early editions of 40k um, and so the structure is still based on your force your detachments um, but the scope of those detachments is likely going to change um, and then the game uh, is separated now into four distinct phases. Effectively, there you determine initiative, uh, much like you do in Kill Team. Then uh, you decide what each detachment is going to do. Then you is the part of the orders phase. Third phase is you perform those orders. So you move, you shoot, you fight. And then after every detachment has performed its orders, you go into the damage phase where the results of those orders are applied. So that effectively means that you'll never get alpha off the table. All losing initiative really does is that <clears throat> you get to move first, which I'm, just, I'm sure anybody who's played Kill Team knows is not usually a good thing. Um, no, it actually almost makes you want to go second for that yep. You can react to what the other the other guys are doing. Yeah. But it also, if I if I'm reading it right, it sounds like you get to move a you get to move a unit and shoot, 
or something like that. Like you get to do something with a unit and then so that's it. it. Like someone else then does something. The yeah, next so it looks like it's alternating activations, but it's also not by unit. It's by detachment. That's so, another good point. For instance, because a unit of intercessors in this is going to be five intercessors as a bespoke unit. Right. Um, as opposed to five to 10, like it is in the 40K. And it sounds like what they're doing is they're making the detachments be a little bit more um, kind of like autonomous on their own. Uh, yes. Whereas it's not just kind of like this formation of units that you brought to get command points. It's actually its own operational thing on the battlefield where your commander or your, your guys, your HQs that come in those detachments actually be, basically become warlords. Uh, yes. for that detachment so they have to it's kind of like if i have a chaos lord and three havoc squads my chaos lord isn't just going to go run off and do stuff in the game he's got to sit and command those guys like that's kind of how they have structured this if i'm reading right. yes um and then the other thing is uh as opposed to stratagems like what you get in normal 40k there's instead the effects be these little cards that will have Whenever this detachment does something, you can use a apocalypse command asset to right. do additional stuff. So like salamanders get the ability to automatically hit if they're within half range or if they do it before or reroll hits if they do it after they declare shooting. Now the cool thing, which sounds like it'll apply to Thousand Suns in a big way, um, they gave an example of Null Zone, which is a psychic power is now a command asset. So it sounds like they just did away with the psychic phase altogether, like yeah. psychic powers and rolling for them, which makes a lot of sense. If you want to speed the game up, that's a big area where you can speed the game up. And so and this is yeah, very fine. much designed to um, speed up the game because you have sort of zoomed out the encounter. Uh, now it doesn't matter that which librarian cast it, it's just that it's active in that area. You have a psyker which unlocks the ability for you to use that use mm -hmm. that command that command asset. Yeah. yeah. Um, another big thing it looks like we're gonna have this whole format of D sixes is gonna be broken as well. They've introduced D twelves. Yeah. So it looks like they've spread out the damage profiles and stat profiles on their weapons and units so like for instance an intercessor squad uses has a six up save mm -hmm. and so i'm assuming that means it'll be a six up save on the d12 <clears throat> as opposed to on a d6 otherwise that's be sort of odd that's um, right bolt rifles for instance uh, are the same effectively uh the, the profile that they show is a five up or eight up um, yeah, and it, well, what's important important that you might have not touched on is the fact that they've now given weapons a profile against um, personnel and a and a mm -hmm. profile against like vehicles or tanks uh, is yeah. what they're calling. So, you know, if I go to fire my bolt gun against um, just your random personnel and I have to roll a d12 to wound, it's on a five up, which is pretty good against twelve. Against sixes, it's not good, but against twelves on a d12 that's good yeah um but then if i go to roll that against a vehicle it's on an eight plus which is probably i want to say it's you know statistically going to be real similar 
Uh, it'll be a like little a more likely to wound than data. normal, but I think it also takes into account the AP on their bolt rifle. Yeah. Um, and so I think what you're going to see here is that the, the, the classification of what is and is not a tank in terms of strength against tanks will be very important because, for instance, you could wind up with things like, for instance, a land raider, to use a poor example, is a tank. But is a Venom a tank? I mean, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, but uh, otherwise, uh, the, it looks like the they're also introducing a couple of other new things. Uh, yep. So, for instance, the Apocalypse book comes with a ton of little, like, punch-out tokens and such to help with the game. But the other thing they're coming out with that'll be very useful for people who have not already bought them, such as myself, is the movement trays. Uh, for 25 millimeter, 32 millimeter, and 60 millimeter, no, 40 millimeter uh, bases. So effectively, all three basic infantry types, um, which will be fantastic. And also, they have announced that the Apocalypse data sheets will be available for free at launch. Uh, yes. so you won't have to buy anything for just playing it. However, um, the uh, rules will probably not be free. So just doing some back, just jumping back to, to where we were with the uh, the weapon profiles, um, doing some back of the back of the napkin math here. Um, you've you've got a sixteen percent chance of, uh, uh, or sorry, about a thirty thirty two percent chance. Sorry, because that's I did that wrong. Um, it would be about a thirty percent chance of wounding on a five up, and I think it's a thirty two percent chance, but with an eight up on a D12, you're actually at a 33% chance. So it is slightly more likely to wound, but I, I think statistically that will not even be noticed on the table. Like it is, yeah. it is probably exactly the same as what you're gonna see today on D6s versus D12s. But I guess that makes it, well, I don't know. Like what what is the real, value of moving to the d12 versus the d6 so one of the big complaints um about 40k for almost as long as i played it is that a the d6 limits you in terms of your total stats so effectively because you only have one in six op numbers to sort of add your randomness to it it's hard to differentiate between well, a Raider only has T6, but the toughest vehicle in the game is T8. It's whereas the D12 allows you to, for instance, have the range, doubles the, the total number of numbers, so you can have a much more granular scale in terms of uh, differences between the various units. Yeah, you've got, I think you've got some buildings that have like T9 and T10 to them, but, you know, who brings, yeah. who brings buildings? But the, this other thing is the other thing about this system is that they appear to have gone even more into effectively Age of Sigmar. Um, things like strength and toughness are gone. Um, instead, you just have whatever the weapon profile gives you. Um, yeah, well, strength is still there. Um, oh, wait. Uh, no, it's not. You're right. Sorry, I'm looking at the uh, the comparison, and in the comparison, it shows you what's in 40k. Yeah. Also, uh, leadership seems to be lower, though I'm not sure if that's because they've changed 
the die required for it if it were still going to be the same. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a really good point. But the movement, your attacks, your wounds, um, you know, that all seems to stay about the same. Although, Intercessors actually, if you take a six up save on D12 versus a three up save on D6, it's a pretty decent step that, down. That's a decent step down, right? I've gone from a, um, like what? A, uh, let me just run the math here real quick. I, I've dropped to a 50% chance from a. Uh, it's actually a little better chance. than. It's like a 53% chance um, because you, you sixes pass. So one number is one through five fail. Gotcha. So gotcha. it's a five. So number- it- yeah, so it does drop. It still does drop a bit. Yeah, effectively, if they wanted to keep them at a three up equivalent, they should have a four up save. But I think again, that's taking into account things like AP, which isn't present um, in the uh, weapons. Yeah, program. that's a good point. So if there's not going to be AP like that, then it's just basically you either wound or you don't. Yes. Um, they also notice that a bolt uh, intercessor. Bolt rifles have attacks user, and so I'm not sure whether oh, wow. how rapid fire works in that regard. Wow, that is weird. I didn't even <clears> notice that. Yep. Huh. So uh, it's looking interesting. I'm not sure how much I'm going to like this, considering I'm sort of a connoisseur of APOC games. Uh, it's really <laughs> my favorite format. Um, but we're going to have to see how this sort of pans out. Uh, they're looking at the index we can get an idea for which factions will be represented in apocalypse yeah for sure and they gave a hint on some of the um the package uh the group packages coming out it sounds like what they're doing is um the detachments become a much more important thing as those they almost act as like mini armies on the battlefield like what we were talking about and with that what they're releasing are um almost like boxes for apocalypse that are pre-designed or pre-built detachments for a certain uh for a certain army um and they what's cool is they actually give you a little bit of a deal Um, yeah so for example the the craft worlds box um if i do the math on the fact that they've got like a wraith guard uh that like they've got three sets of five wraith guard in there and then you've got two wraith lords in there as well for what they're selling it for, you're saving about a hundred bucks. I was not aware which, that they'd put the prices out yet. Oh yeah, well they've leaked out. So actually, ah, okay. um, why don't I why don't I take us through that real quick? Um, because I have a there was a leak of the actual um, prices. Give me one second to bring that up. There we go. Okay, so the Warhammer Forty Thousand APOC rules uh the, the it's about 120 pages of rules uh you get a set of tokens you get a set of command asset cards uh you'll get uh 12 of the new d uh, the new apoc d6 dice and then you'll also get 12 of the new d12 dice um that is going to retail in the u.s for a hundred dollars uh in the uk it sounds like it's going to go for about 60 pounds um then they also have, they've actually released some prices on a couple of models that we've gotten teasers on, but they haven't actually come out with yet. Um, so for example, the Repulsor Executioner, uh, which we can talk about a little bit, they, they have some of the rules for that. 
um, in one of the, uh, the community posts. They do, uh, yes. Yes, they do. So the this new Repulsor uh, apparently is going to retail for $100. So, Oof. which is $20 more than the actual Repulsor is today. So there's got to be oh. something <laughs> going on here. I can guess as to why. So my, most likely it's going to be a Repulsor with an extra sprue thrown in. Just like they did with the uh, various Land Raiders and the uh, Predator kit. <clears throat> right. So that, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So then that covers that extra cost that you have on there. Mm -hmm. um, which also for, for you folks in the UK, uh, that's going for about 60 pounds there. Uh, the Adeptus Mechanicus uh, uh, party boat that they've decided to make into yeah, a... Yeah, the Scorpius. The Scorpius. Because uh, that's that is, not confusing. <laughs> that's going to go for $75, uh, which is much more in line with what we see for transport costs across yeah. the world. So most of your, most of your dedicated transports are there, um, which is 45 pounds in the UK. Um, interesting enough, Mike, do you know what the most expensive transport in the game is at the moment? Not Forge World. All right. We know the Soaker, Soaker Stormbird is out, outclassing everything, but just Games Workshop. Um, I'm afraid I don't. It's the Orc Stampa. Oh, well, yeah, that is technically true. Yeah. And actually the other two, the Orc, uh, Gorkonaut. The Gorkonaut, Morkonaut. Yeah. yeah. Both of those are still outpricing everything else, but the, the new Repulsor will slide in just shy of that. So it's up there. Not um, actually a transport though, so it's okay. The Repulsor isn't? Yeah, the new Repulsor, I believe it trades in its transport port capacity for a bigger gun. Ooh, so it becomes a heavy... So it's kind of like the Predator, right? Yeah, so effectively you can either get a like super last cannon or a super plasma cannon. Okay, or the whatever the other gun is that's on there, right? That uh, Because that it had that long barrel like super auto cannon maybe? Yeah, <clears throat> the, the, uh, they showed the two options on the community site. Just, that's the that's the forty that's the APOC rules. I'm no, no, the repulsor executioner uh, under forty. The APOC page they show right. detailed pictures of the new repulsor. Right, but I, am I missing something? And that that big gun is the is that the, big, the super last cannon? Yeah, that's the last cannon. Yeah. Okay, I'm just being an idiot. Okay, cool. <laughs> uh, just, so yeah, I forgive you. <laughs> so, anyways. Um, they've got some more stuff that I've got some price leaks on. So one of the other things that they're releasing for 40K are uh, movement trays. So we're going to have official 40K movement trays. Yeah, I talked about those and everything. It was great. Yeah. We had a great time. Yeah, they're $40 for... Jesus. <laughs> not $40 a piece. So you get 18 movement trays for $40. Oh, that's better. Yeah, and those are those would be twenty five millimeter movement trays, mm -hmm. um, which brings it down to I guess just about just around like two dollars a tray. Uh, so what? Am I doing eight, the math on that right? Eight trays yeah. for forty dollars. Yes, that'd uh, eight, be five dollars a tray. Eighteen trays for forty. Oh, eighteen. Okay, yeah, yeah. That's like a two dollars and twenty something cents. Yeah. So that's not too bad although it's yeah, actually fairly reasonably priced i guess the i guess the drawback to these so these are things that have been out in the competitive community for a while if you go to any 
tournament events, you'll you'll find that there's folks there selling the. I think it's like particle board and yeah, they're of, the laser cut movement trays. And those uh those tend to work pretty good. What's nice about it is a lot of those tend to be much more focused on um, competitive situations where they sell the movement trays where you might have a line of them that are designed for you to screen out um, versus, um, you know, like the trays that Games Workshop has look like they are just kind of like a group of them put together in a reasonable formation that's yeah. going to be pretty generic there. So hmm? I guess if you're, if you really want, you know, if you're like a diehard GW folks, you know, you could spend 25 pounds, uh, and pick up a set of movement trays. That looks like what they're each each of the packages. That's what they're going to run. You'll get twelve thirty-two millimeter pack uh, trays, or yeah, twelve thirty-two millimeter, and then they sell sixteen forty millimeter trays. It's a strange, uh, which is kind of number. Strange number, yeah. So yeah. So I guess the other thing about the GW ones that I kind of like is that they're clear plastic, as opposed to wood. Yeah, that is a nice thing to it. So you pick up the background and it's a little bit more fluffy, I guess. Uh, yeah. A few other a... things here. Uh, they have um, Apocalypse Command Assets, which is the 100 uh, Command Asset cards. Uh, you can get pick those up for 25 bucks. Uh, that seems yeah. pretty much right in line with what we've had in some of the other editions where they'll come out with your... Um, like your psychic power cards or your command cards or whatever they are for your legion when your codex comes out. Yep. Um, it looks like the they have a Crusader XL case coming, a Citadel Crusader XL case. Um, one and it's just each extra large case goes for a hundred and sixty bucks or about a hundred bucks in the or a hundred pounds in the UK. Uh, that is. I think something new because we have the large case, but not the extra large case. So it sounds like they've kind of thought up about the fact that, Hey, there's a niche for what you can't fit in a large case, being able to fit in a bigger case. I hope yeah. that they have designed this with the thought of travel on airlines and carry on um, the current large case. If you're not, aware in the US at least uh, the carry-on restrictions uh, that case will barely fit uh, actually no it does fit relatively comfortably as a carry-on case um, the, the a lot of other cases actually kind of struggle to actually do as good as the GW case does um, I know that there are some of the third party ones that you can get but uh, that one is uh, it'll be interesting to see how big that case is so yeah, so I have high hopes for this new extra large Cape Crusader case because I have a couple of armies that just barely fit in my current one. <laughs> yeah, and when you're going to something like LVO or even anything that you've got to take a flight for, mm -hmm. um, I know next year I'm kind of thinking about going out to the London GT. Um, that kind of travel, I mean, be able to fit that case, you don't want to throw that into check to the yeah. check in because you know. We'll say that if it gets any bigger than it currently is, you likely will have issues taking in on its carry-on. That is a good point. Because if it's comfortably a carry-on right now, then it's it's going to struggle to meet that restriction for yeah. 
the rest of it. But I guess we'll have to just wait and see. Um, see yep. what this extra large case actually is. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, the other thing that they're coming out with, we talked a little bit about these detachments. Um, they, they are definitely buying it. Like this is their marketing thing as well. They're going to be releasing, they, they definitely on one of their posts uh, alluded to the fact that they're going to be releasing these, uh, I guess, detachment boxes, which they've got, they issued a whole bunch of them or previewed a whole bunch of them for different armies. Um, all of them are priced at $170 or $100 in the UK or 100 pounds in the UK. Mm -hmm. um, those, a, a good example of it would be that Craft World uh, detachment box. I think what's going to be great about these things, they're going to sell great, is just the fact that you get such a great discount on these. Yeah, and for most of these, it's pretty much just it's an army in a box. Yeah, um, I guess in a way, like if it's a detachment, you can pretty much take that in forty k if you want to. Yeah, well, I mean, like the uh, Craft Worlds one, for instance, is a full um, Vanguard detachment uh, with two heavy supports. Yep, and right now, from a from just a pricing standpoint, I think that one is probably one of the higher. Oh, sorry. No, the Tau, the Tau box is probably going to save you almost the most money at the moment mm -hmm. um, because that one is going to that one you're getting a Riptide, a Tau Commander, and two Crisis suits in there as well. And I, it looks like they probably have some Shield Drones in there as well. Yeah. Uh, and that for 170 bucks, uh, that, <laughs> that's close to like 300 bucks almost in the U.S., yeah, so I'm actually counting seven crisis suits total, including the commander. Yeah, is, uh, looks like it looks like they're saying there's two sets of three. Yes, crisis suits that are in there. Mm -hmm. So you're right. That's a lot of crisis suits. Holy cow! Yeah. Wow. Um, but, and then your and then like your chaos space marines. I think that's also going to be a really good deal. Aside from the fact that you're getting bikers, I don't know what the hell you're going to do with chaos space marine bikers right now because their rules are absolute garbage uh, <laughs> but you're yeah. getting a terminator lord and you're getting a couple three sets of uh, space marine squads in there so even if you were to just take the space marine squad just for the chaos space marines you're already at a discount of 10 bucks out the door yeah. those things are 60 bucks a box right now mm -hmm. that's crazy now, i will say uh, historically part of what goes into these boxes is they'll find a selection of things that are selling fairly well and then they'll tack a little bit oh, off of that and then throw in something that just nobody wants. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, Wraith Lords. Yeah, there yeah. you go. <laughs> that's Sad awesome. but true. Well, that's, I mean, I mean, if they, you know, if they really wanted to put some value on that Eldar box, just take those Wraith Lords out, throw in a Wraith Knight, and no one will buy it. <laughs> oh. was, am i am i missing something that break night is not in the getting getting started box for Reldar, right no no it's not but it is but it is a bunch of like wraith lord. it's like a couple yeah it's uh 15 guard. wraith guard uh and then two wraith lords plus the uh wraith seer oh, yeah. uh spirit seer i'm assuming that the uh terrain piece behind it is not included <laughs> <laughs> yes I mean, problem. it is technically an Eldar piece of terrain, so you never know, but just I, I can't help but feel that's just there to make it look pretty. Yeah. 
it's it's such a shame too because i i do really like the aesthetic of the wraith lord or the wraith knights and them and the wraith lords and even the wraith guard they're just all in 40k they're garbage maybe in maybe in apocalypse they'll get a little bit of a reprieve maybe the um the whole thing around the uh the new profiles will help them. hey wraith blades are great just all the other stuff wraith get, blades get are okay they're okay i mean i'll be honest i sent a ton of Zangors in against them and they just absolutely annihilated the Wraith, Wraith Blades. Yeah, that, I mean, that'll do it. So, I mean, when when my 170 point Zangor squad annihilates your, I don't know how many hundreds of points. Wraith uh, about 150. Yeah, well, I guess that's that's about right. Although the Wraith Blades are not going to eliminate the, uh, the Zangors. They don't have enough attacks. So yeah, probably not. Moving on. Moving uh, on. <laughs> overall, I actually I, I'm excited for the new edition of Apo- Apocalypse. Um, yeah. I think you can agree that uh, previous versions of it could be kind of clunky, and uh, pretty much requires that there be a dedicated event organizer for it, and just make sure people keep moving and stay on schedule, um, which <laughs> isn't for everyone. Yeah, I I definitely really like the fact that they looked at the issue that people have had playing apocalypse-sized games, and this rule set seems to try to address the main problems they've had. The time it takes to play the games, um, the fact that people just kind of sit there waiting around for other people to do their stuff, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, having, having generally the minute or the minutia of... 40k rules at that scale and i think that's a very smart thing by them to recognize that their rules don't necessarily scale to that size yeah just say look if you're going to play a game this big we can at least scale the game down or maybe maybe the term isn't right but to just dumb the day the game down a bit yeah scale out this yeah uh, zoom a little bit so that you don't have to worry about the nitty-gritty how many hits did my squad of intercessors get just do they do any damage? Yeah, exactly. And then on top of that, things were like if you've if you've invested in a you know thousand dollar plus Titan from Forge World and you decide to show up with it, and your opponents decide, well, I don't like that, and they all target it and annihilate it off the table. Um, at least in this rule section, they've they, or the the way they've structured the rules, I really like the fact that you get to do something with it. Like they mm-hmm. okay, they're gonna blow it up, but. I get to shoot and have some fun with it, no matter yeah. what. And that's a, that's a pretty good feeling. Like if I'm going to go play an APOC game, all right, I know I'm going to get to use this thing. So, mm-hmm. it, it is important to note that Titans yeah. are listed separately, which is exciting. Yeah, we're going to have to wait to see what the uh, what the rules are on that. And uh, I guess we're just kind of unfortunately catching catching the on our podcast timing here. We're just kind of catching the early release, and I. I'll bet you through the week we're going to get a whole uh, like a post a day or so on the different aspects of this. So yeah, um, by the time we record the next podcast, a lot of this stuff will already been out, and the rest of the info on this will already been released. But I think from what we see right now, it's it's going to be really positive, and I think I think this this version of Apocalypse is going to do really well. Though I do notice a distinct lack of two armies in this particular uh, index that they put out. What's that? Which ones are missing? Well, you see, they have Chaos Space Marines. 
mm-hmm. the Chaos Demons, and then other Heretic Astartes. We're getting lumped in with yeah. the dirty boys of Nurgle. This is unacceptable. Well, they don't have a... <laughs> they. We know that they don't have a um, special detachment box planned yeah. for us at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess from a Thousand Suns standpoint, bringing something like Magnus in that big of a game... I guess a Reaver Titan might, or like a Warhound or a Warlord might steal focus away from the, your opponents. Yeah. Off of Magnus. Uh, so maybe that'll help out a bit. And then like him being there won't be that big of a deal. And hey, we don't even know what the character rules are. So there's an entire possibility that they give the character rule to stuff that just all characters in general, like you can't shoot any character on the battlefield, you know, no matter how big they are, unless they're the, your closest uh, target, which I could see that kind of working at this scale. Yeah. So uh, this other thing to point out is all these weapons do not have a damage characteristic. Yeah, it's all. So weird. it's possible that uh, ev- they only deal one damage at a time, unless yeah. they have special rules like the Emperor Sword has the Destroyer ability, a keyword I wish had never come back. <laughs> well they didn't um what did they say on the laser destroyer there uh the laser destroyer does not have the destroyer keyword instead it's just as a stupid long range and uh kills tanks good wounds tanks good we don't know what the damage is on that thing do we correct so that's interesting that's a good observation like i, like I guess it's just kind of observant <laughs> I guess that just kind of assumes that oh man if everything is just one point of damage no matter what yeah so like for instance if you go back and you look at the intercessor stat line the entire intercessor unit only has two wounds I think is yeah. what that means uh, the whole squad only has two wounds I think that's what that might mean I could be wrong um, either that or the, the oh, damage on weapons. Wow. Oh wow, that's okay. Yeah, so my my brain just comprehended that. So I can have a squad of like ten intercessors, and maybe what that does is it adds two more wounds. Is what yeah. you're saying? I'm thinking that's how this is going to work. Wow, but that would definitely speed the game up a lot. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to play at that size of a game, that makes a lot of sense. Just Either that that unit is dead or it isn't. Yep. Interesting. So we would probably see a Titan have something like maybe 20 wounds. Yeah. Effectively reduce the number of wounds things have, but also mean make weapons only deal one or two damage at a time. Right. So you'd have to hit it with a lot of a lot of crap to bring it down. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well that uh that I had not picked up on, and that definitely that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Huh. Crazy. Right. Yeah. So I think we have covered APOC uh, and what we know at this point in time. Uh, and that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, Mike will be back next week. Maybe we'll have a chance to maybe sneak in another game. So well, I mean, Saturday there's that tournament. So, you know. There is that tournament. So, there is. 
Until next time, guys. Uh, remember, Magnus did nothing wrong. That's right, Magnus did.